Give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. Hello and welcome. Welcome everyone to Discussing Trek, where today we're going to be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Picard, Vox. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies. Starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Very extremely, totally excited about talking about this episode. But as always, glad to be here. Indeed. Indeed, sir. And also on the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. I am interested in hearing you guys' opinion about this episode. Uh, I missed the last week, but I went back and listened to you guys' uh, discussion, and I'm shocked. So I'm interested to see if this episode turned your opinion around of the last. And also on the podcast, we have Larry Irby. How you doing, man? Doing fine. How about you? Doing good, man. Can't wait to talk this out. All right. And last but certainly not least, we have, after the snaps, Tasha Pierce. How you doing, Tasha? I am well. Very, very happy to be here with you all to discuss this fantastic penultimate episode. Yes, yes. We got some revelations in this one. Finally. Finally got some revelations. In the words of Worf, spoiler here, he is a Borg. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But uh, I don't personally have any news. I'll throw it out there to you guys if anybody has any news they'd like to bring up before we get into the details of this episode. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel to all decks. Star Trek Picard became the first Star Trek series to crack the Nielsen top 10 rating. Mm. 310 million minutes viewed. So we are, this is the first one out of all. And Espaliris is featured in two of those series that did crack the top 10, uh, you and Picard. So they got a gem out of Ed Spillers. Huh, now that's interesting because I have not seen him in you. I haven't caught up with the latest seasons, but you know, the first two seasons I love. So maybe I need to catch up and see what he's doing in you. Now, could that have something to do with Nielsen ratings or mail out for a while in the early years? Oh, you're talking about when Trick was in his heyday? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I think. I think TNG probably would have cracked it. If they had had an online or electronic response platform, I think TNG would have done well. But it still was, even though Trek was popular, it was still very niche, I feel. So I don't know. Well, I think it's still very niche. It was in syndication. There you go, Larry. There's the difference, I think. Because now with the age that we're in now, it's so much easier to get, whereas if in syndication, if you didn't have that channel that just so happened to have it, no matter how much you love Star Trek, you just didn't watch it. Case in point, me with Voyager. True. And also we have people just coming on to to jump onto these series that we all love, you know, DS9 and also Voyager. So uh, for me, I'm glad everything is going to integrate it. People can go back and enjoy you know, the shows we love. And it's kind of cool to see Star Trek even on that list. Yeah, it's, it's a huge accomplishment. But you know what's sad? And maybe it has more to say about my sphere of influence than anything. But I know of two people remotely that's even aware there's new trick outside of you guys, of course. But like two people and one guy is a client of mine from Texas. But that, I mean, like I said, that may have a lot to do with just the people I hang with or people I'm around. So 
So let's let's move right along here. Uh, thank each and every one of you for listening in. We appreciate it. Uh, if you like to hit the like button, we really appreciate it. Thank you for joining and also be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting or YouTube video platform you may be listening on. We really appreciate it, guys. We're going to go ahead and get right into our review of Star Trek Picard Vox, which was written by Sean Tretta and Kylie Rosetta and was directed by Terry Metalis. A devastating revelation about Jack alters the course of Picard's life forever and uncovers a truth that threatens every soul in the Federation. The final battle begins as Picard and his crew race to save the galaxy from annihilation, but not without a gut-wrenching cost. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen Vox, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. The spoiler warning has been dropped and we are back to review this episode. And as always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us this week? So I debated back and forth a lot on what I wanted to say. Bounced back and forth, but this is what I came up with. If you didn't at least get the feels in this episode, you need to go back to the forest in the Wizard of Oz like now. Hmm. Um, I don't get the Wizard of, of Oz reference. In other words, you don't have a heart if you didn't get the feels. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> hey, it works for me. I'm happy with it. I only had a brain. Let's go around the horn and see what everybody else thought of this episode. And I want to start Miss Tasha Pierce. What do you think? Even though I could nitpick about little things, this episode, if it's just like Kyle said, if you are a Trek fan and this did not hit you in the feels, then you might be dead. I am with Tasha on that. I mean, I've always said this about Trek. I've said this about episodes I've loved for years. You can nitpick anything. You can find flaw with anything. But sometimes you just got to enjoy it. Just savor it. So I was uh, I was pretty thrilled. And I know we'll get to it. But you, you, you know my heart just dropped when I saw, you know, what they had in store. But uh, I thought it was a great episode. Kyle, do you have any additional thoughts, sir? Yes, like I said, I have one little bitty, 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 small thing that I didn't like. But other than that, I mean, I was watched the episode, thought I was 15 minutes in, and I'm seeing the credits. So there you go. And I did get the field. I did get the tissues. I did get the, you know, a little bit of <laughs> at one point. So, yes, I mean, I love this. I'm going to come in kind of in the middle of you guys. I did love this episode for all the reasons you guys love the episode, but I have a small problem. And a lot of that has to do with, I think we'll wind up like season two, a lot of unanswered questions to answer in one episode. And that's going to bother me. Hmm. For, for me, I don't, I don't think I have a lot of unanswered questions. I think a lot of people's problem is going to be how we got there. Or, you know, kind of the trick no bubble that we get in this episode, which we do get some of it. But, you know, as I watched it again and actually read through the transcript when doing some of my notes and research this time, it seems to me that a lot of it got explained. Now, we might not be happy with the explanation. And of course, there are storylines from past seasons that we want to see some resolution to 
in this last and final season of, of Star Trek Picard. But on the whole, I think I I think I loved it. I really don't have many gripes to, to complain about for this one. Mm. So I have to, you know, once again, Jonathan, here I go with disagreeing with you. You know, I have to disagree that this is feeling like season two. If anything, this is feeling like seasons one and two and three are all one interconnected story that is making things that we may not have appreciated in series one and series two start to gel at the very end. So that's that's how I'm feeling. And then I am going to hop on the other side of that with the, the Trek story. And I have to agree. I'm a little, that's what my fear is for this, is that we've got quite a bit to resolve and we've only got an hour to do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of questions that they have to answer satisfactory. And I don't see that happening. But is there though? I honestly don't feel like there's a lot that they couldn't explain. Now, we might not like the explanation. It may be a trick, no babble throwaway line almost, but I think they can explain it. But maybe when you think about what's happening to the Federation, maybe it is a lot to resolve. So well, we'll see. and the key word being satisfactory, you know what I mean? Like last season, <laughs> yeah. everything, they wrapped everything up, but like it wasn't, uh, you did so good. And then like you dropped it. Well, speaking of being satisfied, we finally peer through the red door. Hear me, find me, fear nothing. We will be together soon, Jack. Any thoughts or what was your reaction to seeing what was behind that red door that that Troy actually revealed to us? No surprises here. I've been trying to tell everybody for a month that it was the board behind that door. I, I was wrong in that I thought it would be Locutus himself, but it, all roads were leading to the board for at least half the season. And, and yeah, it was expected for me. Well, Tasha, you may not be entirely wrong because your original theory was that the hand head man was Locutus. <laughs> and we don't know that yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> Terry Matalas gives everything. And that's another issue, but we, we that's an issue for another day that he gives away a lot on Twitter. And he said that we saw the back of the hand person's head in episode nine. And that was obviously the board queen. Okay, Terry, if that's if that's how we're doing it. Uh, so we do find out that Jack, when, when Picard was talking about uh, what happened to Jack, that he has no nanoprobes. Of course, Beverly has been scanning him since the time he's been a child and she's not really seen anything wrong with him other than these nightmares he's been having, these visions. We find out, of course, that the aromatic, aromatic syndrome is not the aromatic syndrome. It's been a a seed, one might say, <laughs> planted by, by the Borg. We do get this blurb about that's the reason that Sung kept his body in Daystrom. So that made me wonder, and I want to ask you this, Larry. I mean, if Soong saw something and that's the reason we kept Picard's body in Daystrom, there's another body there that we know of. Do you think they're going to try to bring Kirk back in some way or is that just a throwaway thing Matalas threw in there just for nostalgic purposes? Okay. Yes, the right man on this one. <laughs> because I'm about to tell you, number one, William Shatner resurrected himself, sir. So, so you know. In the, there were a lot of books that he did, co-wrote, uh, with a husband and wife writing team 
And uh, in one of those books, the Romulans and the uh, Borg were working together in secret and they revived Kirk's body. This is this is an old, trust me, this is old. Because I don't think William Shatner was too keen on them killing off his character. <laughs> he said, well, I'll just bring myself right back in the book. So there you go. But it was like, uh, I think there's five or six books in that series. So this was kind of really cool for me to see them. Oh, they got Kirk's body. And uh, let's see what happens with that. And Metallus did say that he had no plans for Kirk. Mm -hmm. But he put that there so that if somebody else wanted to take a a bite at that apple, that I'm showing how we can bring him back if you guys want to. And it could be that that was just nothing more than a homage to that series of books that you were referring to. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, um, Tasha, I'd heard what Terry said, too, that it was for somebody else to pick up and run with if they chose to later on. But I just think it's so it's so cool. I mean, you have Paul Wesley in the mix now, even though that's many years prior to Generations timeline. But. Still yet. I mean, there's something there. So, John, Troy, Troy just basically says Jack is now public enemy number one. <laughs> something that I I don't know if it's shocking to me. And, and even Jack says something about uh, to the effect of why do you even let her do this, invade people's brains? And of course, we hear what she did to Riker when he was trying to grieve for Thad. But what do you think about them turning around and making Jack public enemy number one and Picard confronting Jack? So that's expected, right? It'll start like you're dealing with a Borg and, you know, not normal Borg. Like we're talking ESP Borg, right? So yes, there's protocols in place. Somebody should have, as soon as she found that out and told them they should have been like, let's lock him down. But here's Mm -hmm. the thing. I never would have expected it to come from Troy. I would have figured it to come from maybe Jordy or maybe even Picard before I would expect it to come from Troy because Troy's never been that one to like on the Starfleet protocol all the time. She was more of the emotional side of, of the thing. And like you expect her to be the soft hearted one. But you're also referring, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying. Yes, you are. You're yeah, disagreeing. No, I'm not. But what I am <laughs> saying is. You're thinking of Troy from 20, 30 years ago. True. There's a lot of water under the bridge for her, a child who has passed. So a child having, you know, she has children now where she didn't before. Could you think it's a jealousy thing? No. Oh, no, not at all. I don't see it as a jealousy at all. Like I'm just... You lost my, I lost my child, you lose yours thing. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I'm just saying she as a person has... 30 years more traveling under her belt than she did when you're referring to. Well, well I also add to, you got to remember, she went through best of both worlds. <laughs> she, yeah, she, I was she, going to say, yeah. Yeah, she's seen what the board can do. And I mean, I think for the, and also we, the for the movie, they went back in time to Bella Borg. So it's just so much history they've had with the Borg. I'm pretty much, I pretty much feel like if it was Janeway, she would have had the same reaction, like, nah, I'm sorry, we got Red alert. Red <laughs> alert. it out. And I I do agree, like Janeway, Cisco, like those people I would expect. I just, I don't know. But Kyle, like you said, I mean, Deanna, is, uh, Deanna has changed over the years, but it's just still the last person I would have expected to immediately go to protocol. 
And I think she would be the first really in this situation because she had no attachment to Jack yet. Everybody else had an opportunity to interact with them, get to know him. She came on the ship and went straight to business and business dictated that he was a danger. And to piggyback on Kyle, she's got a child in Starfleet. She doesn't Mm. know what this plan is with Frontier Day, but it seems like it has something to do with Starfleet. And now she's gone into mommy mode and I've got to protect (laughs) this ship as well. So I, I, I see it as her being about business. Yeah, Indeed. I was gonna say too. Troy has never been shy to speak up. Remember what um, Clarence alluded to, and uh, best of both worlds, you know. And Riker's like, you know, we're going to that ship, and she reminded. She says, "We are at a state of war, and your place is on the bridge." Troy can be very assertive when she needs to be. Mm-hmm. And and let me add this. She didn't go directly to security. She didn't go directly to. You know, the captain, she went to Beverly and Jean-Luc and says to them, here's what I'm thinking, and then goes into, you know, now he's public enemy number one, so to speak. Good points all around. I want to add to maybe my favorite line of the entire season. Jack says, what about the protocols of a father? Can I throw in just a kudos for the acting in that scene? And I mean, oh, don't forgive me. I don't remember Jack's actor, the name, but like that was just amazing. Like, dare I say, overshadow Patrick Stewart for a moment there. Yeah, it's Billers. He was he was showing out. It's such a tough thing to do. You know, you're you have to betray all this anger. And not for one moment did I not feel like it was real because some people can do that and it just seems fake. But he really was able to pull it off in a very convincing fashion. Absolutely. And not only that, you are pulling it off in a convincing fashion as a character who is a son of two very well-liked Trek characters. So that in itself raises the bar. So we'll just stay on the Jack train just a little bit further. And Jack leaves. He's he's gone. He controls the security guards to be able to just waltz out of there and beelines it for a transwarp conduit. And... So let's go back to this, you know, public enemy number one. Two guards. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) We already know he can control people. That was the best we got. Uh, I think they thought he was going to cooperate. But it's the Borg in him. But he hadn't been. He hadn't been activated as a. He's just finding this out. And he's been carrying it around the whole time. So if your first thought is to run to Picard and tell him immediately, we got to activate these protocols. If it's that dangerous, if it's that dangerous as they made it out to be, that security should have been better. And we got to think about this as well. This was supposed to be a skeleton crew. I don't know where all these people keep coming from. (laughs) 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 Appearing out of nowhere. This was supposed to be just a shell of a crew, and now we keep getting more and more security. It's like uh, the the shuttles on Voyager. We just kept getting more and more of them. So yeah, there's they're that. a replicating crew. They're self replicating. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I also feel like Jack is the type of person, just his personality that we've seen so far. He's like, get it done now, be direct, jump right into the thick of it. And I'm not even sure his motives were ty- entirely. Like, I'm just going to join the Borg. He was, I feel like he was like, I got to go fix this right now. The book stops here. Yeah, I just don't know what he, you know, as the character, 
he says, okay, I'm going, I'm going to put an end to this myself. What did he think he was going to do? So when he got there with one phaser on a board, you <laughs> that's called the arrogance of youth. It is. But you know, I think a lot of it had to do with more of his curiosity of his situation than protecting. I mean, he probably assumed, yes, I can also help. But like, I think at a certain point, he had to get to the bottom of it. Mm, I agree with you, Jonathan. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to pick up a comment real quick from Emmy saying the acting was beautiful between Picard and Jack, but being the type of person who can step into command role means that they're also the type of human who can compartmentalize parent and command, which Picard had to do that. He had to do it. It was tough. It was tough seeing it. And just kind of the warning he gave him of being assimilated and what it did to him, I think was just wonderfully acted as well. Just tough. Very and I tough. thought I really thought that was going to kind of sway Jack a bit when he told him that story. Like I almost killed everybody I love. Mm. Like it's not I'm not doing this just because it's you or just because of, like the reason that I'm this caution is here is because I almost killed everybody. And I kind of thought Jack would like, hey, maybe you're right. But I think still that curiosity pushed him. I was going to say that I just love the fact it's kind of like um, I love how they've done the new changes with the Borg. You know how when um, he got connected and his eyes went like seven to nines and like the Borg <laughs> for last year and they just turned that that uh, black. It was so beautiful. Yeah. So I just love the way they've upgraded the Borg. And hopefully when we get to see the Borg queen, I'm interested to see what they've what they've done with that this time around. It better be Girardi. Right. No, it's Alex Krieg is back, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. You, yep. You read the credits. It's Alice. So how? Yeah, that was another sec. How do? How do? Maybe I missed something. How do we explain that not being Gerardi? So, from my point of view, when he went to the transwarp conduit, we look at the area of space that looked just like the area of space that Janeway was in the transwarp conduit. Uh, was it a hub that she was in? Yeah, in that the, was a hub, and it was that same color of space in that nebula or whatever. So I just feel like they were still in the Delta Quadrant and he found a conduit and went there. But how is it not Gerardi? But remember, Jonathan, the board queen that came from that episode was from an alternate parallel timeline. Yep. Right? Was it yep. an alternate timeline or just a different time? No, it was an no, alternate. No, an alternate. Go ahead, Tasha. I see you chomping at the bit over there. I agree. With Jonathan, that this is what I was talking about on my stream yesterday. A lot of stuff was explained by Terry Metalis on Twitter. So if you're not following him on Twitter, you're not getting all this nuance. And that is a flaw in the writing for this season. Mm -hmm. A lot of blanks are being filled in by tweets. And so, Jonathan, the question that you had about shouldn't this be uh, Borgatti or at least <laughs> Borgatti... Uh, shouldn't she respond to this threat? All of that was answered by Matalis on Twitter. And again, I, I, I don't agree with that method of storytelling, but yeah. So what was the answer? The answer was that, number one, she's still uh, guarding the other transwarp conduit. They're too busy guarding that to, to respond to the threat that's mm. happening right now. So it's and two queens. It's, it's two queens. Because just like Kyle and Larry said, Borg, uh, Borgatti, I keep calling her Borgatti. Yes, good, good enough for me. 
she's from uh, that alternate timeline where they had the the Confederate, the Confederation of Planets. So that's where they plucked that board queen and they brought her into the prime timeline. And see, another thing we have to factor in, and this is something that they cannot control, is you can't have the board from last queen from last season because unfortunately the actor who portrayed her has passed away. Very so, sad. yeah. But that actor is now Borgatti. Yeah. Yeah. So you could have had Alison Peel. I, I get yeah. that. Yeah. But who's to say she doesn't swoop in at the last minute? She's I don't not, think it's going to happen. He also said that on Twitter. God, maybe I need to be on Twitter more you often. To totally ignore a huge thing from last season. I mean, a huge thing. Of course, you could say that Borgatti was after the events when she t- went off with Rios' ship. That she'd just been hanging in a cut, stand out of time's way until she came forward to help Picard at that moment. But like, where is she now? If she just literally just saved the Alpha Quadrant, where is she now? We'll probably pick it up in a book somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few comments from me real quick. The skeleton crew is hilarious. More and more crew when there shouldn't be. Yet also the Enterprise D being fully operated by just seven people. How? Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. it for that. Automation. <laughs> they've, they've done it drones before. Loading torpedoes as we speak, or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Drones are doing the work. That's all you needed was one of those lines because they did it in um, Search for Spock. Scotty said, "Ah, she's all fully automated." But you know, we see how that went too. So, and there was another episode where uh, Be- what, what TNG episode? I think Beverly Cr- Crusher. Yeah, like the crew kept disappearing or something, and the space was shrinking, and and she ended up being by herself. I mean, just the help of the computer, she could kind of do everything. Great episode. That's like my favorite Beverly episode. Uh, another comment from me: Jack wasn't able to be reasonable because Jack wasn't in full control. He was already being driven by board directives operating at an instinctive level. And also, one final comment: I agree, Tasha. If the blanks are being filled in outside of the show, that's poor writing on Metallica's and team's part. I totally agree. I totally agree. If you had to go get supplemental material to make it make sense, uh, you're probably not. You probably write the best story, you know. Mm. And that goes back to like why I enjoy Star Trek, because it's just like my time to sit back and watch and enjoy. But if I have to sit back, watch, pause, go to Twitter, come back, finish, <laughs> go read this, come back, finish, like then I'm then it's work. Right. Like it's not enjoy. Well, it's still enjoyment is trick, but still. Yes, I agree. So things are worse than we think. <laughs> Let's get into it. Jordy and Data give more information on how the Borg shared this genetic code. Uh, and it kind of made I like how they explain here. It makes sense. They got the genetic code from Picard's body, integrated that code into the transporters, hence affecting everyone somehow under 25 because of the frontal lobe. I'll buy it, I guess. So I thought that was all pretty cool and, you know, just just a pretty interesting storyline. Clarence, I kind of thought you were going to have an issue with Technobabble in this. I, Technobabble. I, I bought it. I, bought, <laughs> I think they gave me enough explanation of where I was like, okay. And even like going and reading the transcripts, I, I got even more of the stuff that they went through very fastly in a couple of minutes. <laughs> I was able to, you know... Uh, let it sink in just a little bit more. So I, you know, I think on the whole, I enjoyed the explanation. I thought it was pretty interesting and a cool way to infect everyone. I mean, lo and behold, we thought the changelings were the threat. Turns out the changelings were just pawns in the game. They really weren't the threat at all. 
And to see what they did with, with Picard's body, I thought was pretty interesting. Now, I still don't know how Jack factors in all of that. I would be interested to know what you guys think about how he factors into that. And that's going to be another question. Like, we still have to explain how the changelings got involved with the board. Do we? Or was that in was that in Twitter, too? I, I, haven't, seen that. I haven't seen that tweet. <laughs> I doubt if we get... I'm, I almost doubt we're going to get that answer. And do we even need that answer? Yes, you introduced the, the Dominion and Changelings. Like, are we going to drop it here? Yeah, it, it it's kind of disappointing that I know me and Larry have been talking about this from the beginning. They took the best story plots from DS9. <laughs> Oh, I and, got one more for you, too. And, and now they just kind of, it's just a, it's not even a real threat. It's just something <laughs> we threw in there. A means to an end. A lot of this, the way they use the transporter to more effectively assimilate people, that's kind of something they did in the Star Trek novel Homecoming. When they get back home, it's a two-part series, and they kind of go, uh, you know, we can use this, this, and this, and just infect people with nanoprobes instead of having the just go assimilate people. And I'm like, hmm, let's see where we're going with this. So now we're using the transporters, which was also kind of part of that plot. So, you know, I'm not mad at them. Mm, any other thoughts before you pick up your comments here? I like the explanation of how the Borg genetic corruption within Bakar was passed along to Jack and then seated within members of the Federation. Very clever. I totally agree, Emmy. So let's move on into... Frontier Day. Let the festivities commence. <laughs> Admiral Elizabeth Shelby, you know, at the head of the ceremonies in the Enterprise F, you know, we continue to have these cameos pop up. And this was one I really had not expected at all. But due to the content of where we're going with this episode, it makes a lot of sense. Larry, Shelby makes a return. What are your thoughts? Loved it. Loved it. Been waiting 30 years to see this woman back. And it was so good that they touched on something on uh, the ready room that I didn't realize. Cause I've been calling her Elizabeth Shelby forever because of the, of the books, the final frontier book series by Peter David, right? Great series. And Shelby starts out and that is a first officer. Eventually she becomes captain and so on and so on. I'm telling you, I was just like so happy to see her back. But they said they don't think she they actually gave her a first name on the show. But I mean, just seeing her, I was so blown away. And number one, she looked amazing. She did. Oh, she yes. looked fantastic. She just looked so like just the admiral, like I'm in command. I'm older. And you can see she took the fast track. card. <laughs> <laughs> And Riker both at this point. So I was delighted. I wonder if she's still the foremost expert on, on Borg stuff. I think Janeway is probably taking that title. But in that episode, in those episodes. Well, you know what my issue, though, is I told you. I, I, said to, I said Tasha the other day. I said, OK, so first Q got to go. Then Echip had to go. <laughs> then Rome had to go. <laughs> And now you bring back my beloved Shelby as a book nerd. And, and then she had to go. I was like, <laughs> come on, Metallica. Did she go? I love you, did but she? We don't know. Maybe. That, that lady old as dirt. <laughs> <laughs> she is gone. 
Harry Henderson said something over here. If there are no self-sealing stem bolts, I don't want to hear about it. Well, then you needed to go to the uh, to Daystrom Station because they were mentioned in an an, an Easter egg. On really? Daystrom. You need to, you, yeah, yeah. Look at all that stuff back there in the in the in Daystrom Station. It was some self-sealing stem bolts. <laughs> I want to say, Harry, you are one of my favorite people. From now on, we even have that in Star Trek Online. It's such a joke that, like, you can actually get self-sealing stem bolts. Well, Larry, uh, let's speak about Star Trek Online a little bit because it has come to my attention that this design of the Enterprise F is originated from a fan in Star Trek Online. It did. I was there, and I did not put in any design because I am. Terrible at art, but I remember when the guy won. I remember when they first rolled it out in Star Trek Online, and I am so happy for him. I know they tweaked it a little bit, but kudos to them using Star Trek Online, which was out there producing new content, even though not canon for Star Trek for years when we didn't even have a TV show. Yeah, and that I think that contest took place way back in 2011 or something like that. Around way that time. back, man, because we've been playing 2023. So Star Trek Online is like 12, 12 years old. All right, let's pick up a few comments here. Emmy responds, uh, Shelby made a return to be immediately fridged. <laughs> it was great <laughs> to see her professional drive near dissipated, and she made it to Admiral. She was definitely more driven than Riker. Yeah, she was definitely a go-getter. So it was great seeing her back. Oh, yeah, real quick. Also on the ready room, she is an actor who remembers lines like crazy. Yes. She was quoting lines from Best of Both Worlds as if she had just learned them. So that was really, really cool seeing her do that. Uh, another comment from Emmy. I would have preferred that she wasn't killed off in one episode. Plot armor only for the main crew. Everyone else lumped into red shirt territory. Uh, Dunny Fitzhugh, perhaps Jack Humanity will do for this timeline's Borg what Gerardi did for the alternate timeline's Borg. Jack still has his emotions and feelings, unlike Lacutus. And that's kind of one problem I have with this whole storyline for this season, if we're going back to the will on that, because we just did this. We just had human integrate with Borg. Human saves everybody making new Borg. And it just seems like we're kind of doing that again. It's kind of the same storyline. except with a lot of nostalgia. Another issue that I have, that's another issue. It's like, and, and I know it's going to hurt some people's feelings, but did Terry Metalis write this season for the fans? Or did he do it because this is a story he wanted to tell and, and come hell or high water, he was going to tell it because we've already seen it, just like you said, Clarence. And this was just him saying, I want my turn at it. And mm. I, I don't feel like I feel like it was not done out of love for the fandom. It was done out of uh, his own motivations. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just for the fandom, he threw in all these cameos to, exactly. you know, appease us. But like, yeah, I get it. It it just seems like a story gone amok. And not in a bad way. I mean, I it, there's there's continuity to his story. But I mean, for the fans, like we have issues and not, you know, usually Trekkies have canon issues, right? Like this is not canon. That's not the issue here. The yeah. issue is just it's not trekking air quotes well for us. 
<laughs> so, so let me throw this in real quick. As someone who enjoys Trek, but is not as ingrained in Trek as all of you are, I'm not having the issues that you guys are having because not having all of that minute detail as Clarence has to live with on discussing who that I have, you know, and that's the difference for me in, in the who verse is I'm all in for it. So any little bitty thing I critique like you guys are doing, but coming from a lesser understanding of Trek, I'm just having a ball with this. You know, this is fun. This is good story and I'm enjoying it. But, and th that kind of goes into the problem as well. Like the details are right. The details are right. Like I don't have a problem with the mm -hmm. details. I just have a problem with how the details are fitting into his story. I'm not getting caught up in the trick. Like the trick details are perfect. They're, they're online for me. They're right where I expect them to be. But where we're going and how we're getting there is not working for me because it doesn't fit in classic trick. It fits in Metallus's new storyline of trick. If that makes sense, like he's going his own direction. And that kind of what bothers me. Uh, a few more details real quick about Federation Day. We learned that Starfleet has implemented a fleet wide synchronization technology, allowing allowing every ship to act as one. Again, we keep going back to what happened in Prodigy ships talking to each other bad and they've taken it one step further to where we're going to do synchronized battle positions. <laughs> We can function when the crew is incapacitated. It just, and then Riker and Picard even says it. It's just like, this is too Borgish. And Shelby is the one that's helming all of this. It just seems kind of strange. And the fact that, like, and still the Borg did it better because the Borg didn't link technology together. The, well, I mean, technically, but it was the Borg drones that were networked. And those drones operated the technology like here. Starfleet took the human element completely out of it. And now they want all the ships themselves as physical objects to interact with each other, like basically a light form of AI. How can we not think that's going to be a problem? And I'm going to throw in there too, little Battlestar Galactica, because that's exactly how the Cylons got you know, them in Battlestar Galactica, they infiltrated the network, right. which all the ships were connected through in unison. And they just basically infected the entire fleet mm. through that. But the Galactica in that show was not on the network mm. because their commander wouldn't allow it. And also remember, we saw that last season as well, when that is what Agnes was trying to do for <laughs> Gotti. <Yeah. laughs> The whole time she wanted to link all the ships so they can link yep. their shields. Right. Uh, and I mean, we, we saw it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe they stole it from her. Yeah. Which like and, and like I said, if that's what if that's what we are to assume that they got the idea when that happened with Borgatti, then why do the entire fleet? Why not right. just a, a, a squadron of ships that is on the outer perimeter guarding uh, Sector 001? Yeah, I agree. So, Clarence, I know you see uh, Emmy's comment up here, and I kind of want to comment on her comment. And I guess I'll read it. The synchronization of the fleet was a terrible idea. Idea Shelby's hubris at work is the only excuse for that. And I go back. I watched that episode not long ago. And her biggest problem, her ambition was great. Her knowledge was great. 
But that was also her downfall. She was so tied into completing the task and defeating the board. She kind of forgot what made the Federation the Federation or what made Starfleet Starfleet. And I can see this. You made a comment just a minute ago, Clarence, about you couldn't believe that Shelby would be at the head of something so similar to the board. I think she's so tight, got so tied into defeating the board that she forgot not to be the board. See, that's what's bad, too, because we have these characters in beta canon and we have them. So it's like a writer can come along and decide to do whatever they want with the character, which is fine. But then you have the other side that's like, I'm going, yeah, she would have all the Shelby from the show through the knob. She would have never done that. But, you know, they had to write the character the way to fit what they needed. So, Tasha, everything starts going to hell real quick, real quick. <laughs> we get this blaring, screeching noise over the comms channel. We see Seven start to grab her head like, what's going on? And all the youngins, all the youngins start to snap and go crazy. And one of my favorite parts of the episode, what was your reaction to, what was your reaction to Jordy's reaction about his daughters? Any heartstrings on that? Because he reacted like any other parent that I know. <laughs> and the first thought is, where are my babies? Number one. And then they, they're turning these people to, to Borg. And he went straight to, I got to go get my kids. I thought that was a natural and realistic reaction to, to that kind of threat. I have to piggyback off of what Tasha said. I liked Jordy going into the parental role there. But that was my one pet peeve of the entire episode is the scene where, and it and it's not LeVar Burton's fault. He delivered the line as it was written and he did a great job of it. But it was just like me going on this podcast right now and saying to Clarence, hey, Clarence, we're streaming right now. It's obvious that we're streaming right Come now because on, people don't are you watching. Have a heart? You don't have a heart, man. It's so no, cold. No, no but, 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 but when he. babies, man. Come no, on, bro. But, but when he says to Picard, or whatever it was, he says, My daughters are bored now. Uh, duh. Come on, Cal. I'm sorry. Come on. It just kind of took me I out of it for a minute. Agree. It's, I don't disrespect him from having the, the, the feelings, but. It was something I didn't feel like needed to be said. You know, if he would have said it like, I've got to rescue my daughters, but like telling it the way it was delivered, telling it like, hey, Captain, guess what? Blah, blah, blah. He did say, okay, I got to go back and watch (laughs) it. Go back and watch it. You know, so, Kyle, I do kind of agree there. Like, and I agree both sides, right? So, and kind of to go backwards on my earlier statement about Deanna Troy and kind of y'all's defense on her for her was, you know, it's a different Troy and a lot of it like with age and, you know, you get a comment from older people. They say, you know, as I get older, things that used to not scare me scares me now. And so, I mean, you got to assume Jordy is at this point And like, the only thing that matters is his children. And, you know, 20, 30 years ago, he may have thought differently, but, I agree with Kyle. That was a waste. They could have done that a different way to make it better. So I would have seen like Jordy with some amazing engineering plan that was kind of at his detriment almost, or maybe at the ship's detriment to save his daughters. You know what I mean? Like that could have been worked in better than just that statement 
for no reason, I guess is what I'm yeah, saying. No, no, I see exactly what you're saying. Like he could have came like, oh, I'm just going to destroy the whole fleet. Like I got this virus. I'm going to get plugged. Data is going to send it in through the fleet and I'm going to destroy it. Every ship in the fleet. Well, then I expect that as an older Jordy, he's scared of losing his daughters, but that would have made for a better storyline. It wouldn't have been a wasted Come on, man. In, insert loved one there, and then you be the judge of how you might react. No, 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 no. I get it. That, I'm just saying, for me, it did take me out of it. One other real uh, quick observation from me. This is something similar that we have seen in Doctor Who before. In Series 7, we had humans who were being converted into Daleks by nanoprobes. Similar a little bit, not quite, but it reminded me of that. All right, I'm going to pick up a few comments real quick. Another comment from Emmy. The Federation's proclivity of handling of handing control over the AI has been a problem for a while. We definitely did see it in Disco, which they addressed how problematic it was. And I agree, control was a menace. Control was a menace. And here we are right back doing the same thing. I'll be it many years later, but yes, 100% agreed. Also, the young ones are changing on Earth, but we don't see that. Now, that's very interesting I guess they use transporters frequently on Earth as well. So that is a possibility, though. I thought the changelings specifically affected the transporters on the ship. So but it could it could also be the ones on Earth. Uh, I agree. We just don't know, I guess. I'm sure Metallus will tell us in Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm beginning to think that Kirksman is deliberately weaving in. In unuse, unease, excuse me, is weaving in unease with humans dependency on AI into modern trick. Yeah, it makes sense if we're going to relate it to kind of stuff that's happening now. See chat GPT. Another comment from Johnny Fitzhugh. If both Rocker and Picard say they can't believe Shelby would use Borg tactics, why wouldn't they assume she is a changeling? Maybe not all the changelings knew of the Borg involvement. Very astute. I guess uh, the only thing really left for me is is the big nostalgia trip we went on. We need a ship that's not connected to the fleet. And we finally get to see what Alondra has been alluding to in Hangar Bay 12. (laughs) Uh, I'll go first on this. Just completely. I don't know if I was totally shocked, but I, I do appreciate the amount of detail they went into to recreate. The, the bridge of the D because it, it looks beautiful. And if you want to see it in a little more, bit more detail, definitely check out the ready room where Wheaton himself goes on the bridge and, and, and nerds out as he does Whoa. as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I used to do it back in the day. <laughs> Everybody standing on the bridge, taking it in like, this is so good. This is yeah. my, Hey, I don't know. Can we go get our kids? Who have been assimilated, like <laughs> look around the bridge later. You was on here for seven years. Let's move. You know, I would thought that was a bit that was a joke somebody wrote, you know. Oh, I love the perfect. Yeah, it was a cartoon somebody did, and they're standing there, they're all like looking around, and somebody said, uh, can we go get our kids now? And my kids are Borg, and my kid is finna destroy everybody. So let's just <laughs> let's hit the breeze for a moment, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it it was a joke, but like I literally had that thought watching that scene. Like I was all in the nostalgia, but I was like, did we just forget there's like an emergency? Like I, I like and Picard making a joke about the carpet. I'm like I figured maybe Worf would make that joke or maybe Data with his newfound humor. But like Picard, I'm like, man, dude, like the Borg is taking over again. <laughs> Let them have their moment, man. The moment of nostalgia, the moment 
of, I mean, it was just, and I said this before, but it was just as much for the actors as it was for us. Oh, I yeah, mean, for just, sure. just a pure another joy to see them on that for bridge sure. again. Can, can we talk about how we get to the D, um, to the, to the Hanger Bay 12? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are terrible. <laughs> Stay out of that. Oh, I'm talking about small. <laughs> the Enterprise D. Right. I was talking about Shaw. <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot about Shaw. Let's we forgot about Shaw. Yeah. How quickly we forgot. Let's talk about Shaw. We'll come back. We'll come back to the to the Enterprise D. <laughs> Shaw doesn't make it. He gives command to Seven as they make their way to the maintenance shaft to to get the maintenance shuttle. Man, I really didn't think Shaw would make it for a while now. But I think this is the classic thing of making Shaw just an utter jerk at the beginning of the season. And and by the end, you know, did he have some problems? Was he a little squeamish? Maybe not as captain-y as we thought he should have been. But I, I liked them by the end. I really liked them. And I really wish we could see him going forward. But I do think his sacrifice made some sense when you think about passing the baton. And I know you weren't too hot on Shaw getting killed, were you, Tasha? I, I don't think he should have died like that. Just just because, you know, he didn't get an opportunity to, to feel any redemption uh, or everything that was that he was about was I'm making all of these soft tiptoe steps because I want to keep my crew safe. Now your crew is not safe. And, you know, the fight was still happening. We needed you to be one of those warriors. And now they killed him. <laughs> you know, yeah. so what he was fighting for the entire season, he doesn't see get to come in for that to come into fruition. His, his crew is still under board control. Yeah. And how cruel of, to have him die by the Borg after he's experienced so many, had so many traumatic experiences with them. And, and we're going to have him die at the hands of a Borg. That's why I think, and this is just Tasha hoping right now, even though I never <laughs> did like this character now, but if, if seven did, if seven could save him, she could, you know, with nanoprobes or whatever the such, she could save him. And then he would be indebted to the Borg. In a way, mm. but you know that's me writing a story that might be better than what they came up with. <laughs> so you're saying there's yeah. a chance. <laughs> and a few episodes back, I did say I felt like maybe they were building Shaw to something, an important role in the show. And I mean, obviously he didn't. But what I'm kind of disappointed in, I, I get to me, in my opinion, the Shaw getting shot, Seven staying behind. Rafi staying with Seven it was to get that uh, reunion on the Enterprise D bridge. And I get that. I, I mean, the, like to get that shot was amazing. Right. But it was almost too obvious as to what they were doing. All right, Jonathan, don't be stealing my fire. Sorry. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> thought I had. Exactly thought I had, too. It's like we had to get rid of everybody else so it could just be them on the bridge. But I agree. Shaw. I thought he was wonderfully played. I thought they did a great job with that character. Ben Shaw, I'm going to stand up for Shaw in remembrance of Shaw. He was right. Part 
uh, Picard and Riker did get a whole bunch of his people killed. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, and no telling what happened to the ones that um, went over. Didn't a lot of them leave the ship to mm-hmm. um, Shelby's? Not Shelby's, but um, Rose's ship. So, yeah, and no telling what happened to them. Pick it up if you comments here. Emmy says, Shaw dying and Seven Rafi remaining behind on the Titan seem intentional. No one else allowed them on the big D. <laughs> no one else allowed on the big D other than the original crew. True. This is true. Facebook user says, it's not my fault in regards to Enterprise E from Worf. What happened to Enterprise E? No one knows. I've searched it. I've scoured the internet. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's, it's something we could probably figure out in the future or learn about in the future. I, I'm, It'll I'm be now, on Twitter. I'm, <laughs> ask Terry Metalis. Yeah, I want to pick up a comment here from Emmy as well. When speaking about data, we really didn't talk about the data Picard moment, but it was a great moment. She mentions this, her favorite in the episode when Data confronted Picard after Jack left. Uh, those are two artificial beings having a beautiful emotional moment of human connection. I really agree. You know, as Brent Spiner has said, the mandate that he's been given from the beginning from the great bird himself is that Data goes toward humanity, but never quite gets there. And we definitely see him moving closer and closer to that in this season. So, yeah, really really amazing. So any other comments about the episode before we kind of give ratings? You know, we got the big nostalgia trip. I don't know which much more we can say about that, except it was an amazing moment for fans of old. One we would like to see repeated with other crews. Let me just say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't, know if, don't know if that'll happen, but that's what I'm wanting. <laughs> any other thoughts on the episode? So, so Vatic on the last episode and I, I know you guys already did. I missed that episode, but I just had to bring this up. Are we assuming because the changelings have figured out how to replicate human blood that they're no longer affected in space? And the reason I say that, because on the DS9 episode, you remember the changeling that was sent out with Odo? He was going through space as a different life form. Like they could survive in space. That's that's what I that was my takeaway was that. If any piece of her remains, it can it's still a changeling. Is is that Yeah, I, I, she I mean, shouldn't have She shouldn't even froze. Well, we know she's been genetically engineered a bit different from the normal changeling. Mm-hmm. That could be part of it. But she froze and shattered and got blowed up too. So <laughs> <laughs> Snappy dead. When we watch Odo, when when Dr. Bashir, and I don't know if, if if Jonathan talked about this before, Dr. Bashir said, I need a sample from you, Odo. And Odo says, okay. And he takes his finger and puts it in the glass <laughs> and a little bit of him comes out in the glass. He said, I'm going to need that back later. So that is still changeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So little pieces are still changeling. It's just how much, how much does it take to make a person? Hmm. I thought it was sad that is the way we built Vatic up and we built her up and she's the big bad. And then it's just like, okay, we're done with that character. Let's move on. And it's like, no, we invested a lot, a lot of time <laughs> right. in that character and deserved a better payoff, I thought, than that. Another Terryism, <laughs> Terry's tweets, was that he was talking about how Vatic and, and the Borg Queen were uh, communicating through subspace with a device. And, <laughs> and we're like, how, we, how was we supposed to gather all of that 
without you saying that that's what was happening in the series. So again, it's just another example. Yeah, talking to the hand because the hand was nothing like we've seen before in any attract. No. You know, it, it. I think everybody that saw that was pretty much puzzled about what yeah. was going on. I mean, maybe we'll get explanation a little bit more in this episode coming up, but I doubt it. But it was just like something so weird and off-putting <laughs> that it's okay. I, I get. Let's go with it, Terry. Let's go with it. <laughs> Picking up a few comments before we kind of get our our ratings for the episode. Um, Harry Henderson says, have they brought Cisco back? That would be amazing. I, too, believe that would be amazing. They should make it happen. Picard accepts to feel the demotion to Captain. <laughs> that was good. As, oh, and, and can't can we do a oh, hand clap, yeah. a golf clap for Major Barrett being back yes. as a voice of the Enterprise, the voice of the Big D? Wonderful tribute. Yes, indeed. What Do you know where that one came from? I don't know what particular episode it came from. No. I think that was when um, he handed it over to Jellico, and Jellico had to give command back to Picard. Mm. I think maybe that's where they lifted that sound from. Mm. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was sweet. It was pretty sweet. And didn't Shelby work for Jellico? Yes, which we had Jellico back uh, in, in Lord, not Lord Dex, um, Prodigy, Prodigy, Prodigy this year, this past year. So cool tie-ins there. And with that, we will get our ratings for this episode. And I think I'll go first. I'm going to give it a 4.9. Wow. Only because only because I want this finale to blow my freaking socks off, which I may be expecting too much. New Trek has kind of tempered a lot of expectations on the finale. So oh, yeah. I'm 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 hoping it will blow my socks off, but who knows the second i mean it's in movies so the the finale has to be pretty pretty darn good it's in the movie theaters tasha what was your rating for this episode mine is 5 and oh, wow. Wow. reluctant i was a little reluctant to give it the 5 but i haven't given one the entire season and why not um it it played into my my uh geek heart and and yeah 5 this time yeah, Tosh, you've been holding, like as you say in your live streams, you've been holding those fives close to the chest. <laughs> so to see you throw it out there, uh, I guess it's good news indeed. <laughs> Larry, how do you rate this one, sir? I am going to go with a 4.8. Ooh, man. Was, it was awesome. There were a few little things that were off-putting, but I just enjoyed. And I said, that's where we got to get back to just enjoying yes. these shows. I mean, we have fun breaking it down, but you got to enjoy it. And I think we all love it. Yeah, we do. I do. Anyway. <laughs> and finally, Mr. Shorts, how do you rate uh, this episode, sir? So I'm a tricky and going to what Larry said. <laughs> oh, like, is that, how you, is that well, how you start all conversations? Yes. I'm a tricky. <laughs> But going to what Larry says, like the reason I love Trick, like I watch Trick to enjoy it. And that's all TV. I want to sit back. I want to be taken away from normal life for however 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour, however long it takes. I want to just be mesmerized into something and enjoy it from beginning to end and hope there's more later. Is there some issues with this episode? Yes, there are some issues. I'm disappointed because I don't think they can wrap up the season in one episode. There's a lot of questions I didn't get, but me being a tricky, I can't do anything but give it a five for the Enterprise D scene. Big D. 
Big deep that listen. That, I don't care. They could have they could have just completely garbaged the rest of the show. And that scene would have made me go five. Cause I mean, I never thought I would see that in Trek again. Yeah. To that so, extent. The same crew, the same bridge, the same ship. Yeah. Like, what's Amazing. the chances of that many actors this far along being alive? Being alive <laughs> and capable of still performing in that same caliber on the same set. Like that was amazing to me. All the feels, man. Did, you get, did anybody feels. else notice that, that that turbo lift was bigger though? No. How did all know. those people fit on that turbo lift at once? <laughs> Remember the one episode where, where Picard was stuck with the little kids on the turbo lift yeah. and everybody was bunched in? That turbo lift held seven adults. Well, yes. the turbo lift probably came from a different ship as well. You know, yeah. Jordy's been making <laughs> upgrades. Yeah, hey, it could be like it could be like Discovery turbo lift. You could have this giant chasm <laughs> that flies through the ship, and the D is like way way bigger than Discovery. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that's going to wrap up our review. We appreciate all of you guys joining. You can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. If you want to send us an email, you can send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. You can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. John, what do you have for us this week? All right. So this week we are all borged out. So let's have a Trek trivia board question. What? was or is the Borg designation for human species and their origin grid. Oh, that is good. That is good. I don't know. I never remember. <laughs> well, I spit out so many designations, so it's hard to keep up. I want to say it's species one five something. What's going to be harder to get is the origin grid. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be that'll be rough. All right, so Trek trivia for this week is... What is or what was or is the Borg designation for the human species and their origin grid? Guys, on the panel, I do appreciate you coming and, you know, one more to go. One more to go. I will leave the floor, excuse me, open real quick for Tasha to plug her channel and see where she can be found. You can find me at After the Snap Movies and TV on... YouTube and also on Facebook and on Twitter. I'm at Snap After. And with that, we will wrap up the podcast. So thank you all for joining. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. been listening to the discussing network find out more at discussingnetwork.com
Can I say that, like shut up Wesley? I can just go shut up Clarence? 